In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So last time we finished chapter 49 uh, in the book of Genesis. Does anyone remember what that was about? 49 was everybody's favorite chapter. Jacob's, J Jacob's, yes, Jacob's blessing each of the each of his children, right? Um, and so we talked about the the prophecies each for each each of the tribes of Israel. Okay, and um, and by the end, uh, Jacob dies. Okay, so in chapter fifty, it's like a conclusion, um, and also we um, we read about the death of Joseph. Um, this this chapter is uh, pretty short, so we're going to finish it, and then we're going to go right into the next book that we're going to start studying, which is Second Corinthians. Um, right after. So it says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. So what is this embalming process? What is embalming? What's another name for embalming when the Egyptians embalm someone? Mummification, right? So that's what it means. The, the the process of mummification was reserved, supposed to be reserved only for the Egyptians. But because um, both Jacob and later Joseph will see as well, um, they were treated with such honor by the Egyptians that they um, actually uh, mummified them uh, as well. Okay. Now when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go and bury my father, and I will come back. So Jacob, he, you know, he, he, he had asked from the beginning that he wanted to be buried in Canaan. Okay, so um, they are now going to travel and go to back to Canaan, okay, from Egypt, which is the land that God had promised him and his fathers to go and to bury Jacob. And very Pharaoh said, "Go up and and bury your father as he made you swear." So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. So he sees like this huge group of people. All of the family of Jacob went. All of the servants of Pharaoh went, right? So it, it was like a big, it was a big deal, uh, the, the, the dying of Jacob. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore, its name was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. Okay. Um, Mizraim is the, another word for uh, Egypt. And it's actually the, the, the root of where we get, you know, in, in Arabic, what is Egypt in Arabic? Misr. Misr is, Misr is coming from this, from Mizraim. Yeah. Actually, we also see that name in the genealogy of Noah, like the son of Ham. 
Mizraim, yes, yes. This name appears much earlier. Um, so the 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 this uh, threshing floor of Atad. So Atad means the plain of the thorn bushes. That's what that's what Atad means. Um, but it's kind of like a play on words. So it can either mean like the the meadow of the Egyptians. So Abel Mizraim, the meadow of the Egyptians. But it also could mean the mourning of the Egyptians. So the idea that everyone is mourning the death of Jacob. Okay, here. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them, for his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field uh, from Ephron the Hittite as a property for a burial place. We spoke about this last time, that um, <clears throat> Abraham had, had purchased uh, from Ephron the Hittite uh, much earlier in the book, uh, a piece of land that had a cave on it. And this is actually where the rest of Jacob's family had already been buried. Um, there in that cave. So he was. Hmm? Yeah, we know where the cave is. In Israel, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's actually remains that people say that this is could be like the remains of any of them or not. I, I, you know, in Israel they say that you know everything is. They know like this used to be. You know the. The place where such and such happened and so on so maybe they know i don't know or at least maybe they claim that they know um, but i'm not sure and after he had buried his father joseph returned to egypt he and his brothers and all who went up with him to bury his father when joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead they said perhaps joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him so what is what is the thinking now what is the thinking in 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 the brother's mind. Why are they saying this? Why are they saying perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him? Right. Right. So they, they, they thought to themselves, maybe the only reason Joseph has been treating us kindly is because uh, his father was still alive and he was doing this out of respect for the father. And now that Jacob had died, Joseph is going to really let out his full, you know, feeling toward uh, toward the brothers. And of course, this didn't happen. And if you remember when we spoke about Genesis chapter 45, which is the chapter where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and we see the kindness and the forgiveness of Joseph, and we see the love that Joseph has for his brothers, despite all that they did to him. And so at the time, it was clear that Joseph no longer harbored any hatred, any, you know, any uh, discontent with his brothers. He, he, didn't, he didn't look down on them. Actually, Joseph was more interested in their own well-being. And he said, don't be grieved in yourself or be upset with yourself for what it is that you did to me. Right. If you remember in Genesis 45, when we spoke about that. So from the very beginning, Joseph had completely forgiven his brothers. This wasn't all a show. It wasn't an act. He wasn't doing it because he had to. He wasn't doing it because, you know, if he didn't do it, then his father would, you know, be angry or anything like that. This was genuinely what Joseph wanted is to serve his brothers, to provide for them a place to live, to give them beyond what they deserve, despite the fact that they were the ones who sold them into slavery. So the brothers not understanding Right. And it kind of tells us something about, you know, the difference between someone who is enlightened, who is filled with the Holy Spirit versus someone who kind of operates by the way of the world. 
Someone who operates by the way of the world cannot understand holiness, cannot understand how a person could choose to um, live as an ascetic life, for instance. You know, like someone who is a non-Christian, someone who doesn't understand like the spiritual life at all, maybe would look at someone who is a monk and ridicule this person and say, how would you give up your entire life to live in the desert and to just, you know, eat very little and, and work so hard and, and not have any freedom and be there in the monastery, give up all that you have, give up every opportunity. Like, you know, someone who is so minded with the world only thinks with the system of the world. Whereas someone who is with God thinks with the mind of Christ, right? So here Joseph is like, he is he has been fully cleansed by the spirit of God. He has been fully released from any kind of anxiety, from any kind of hatred, from any kind of sorrow, from anything. He is completely at, at ease and free and free to love his brothers without any hesitation. And so the brothers not understanding, not understanding how it's possible that someone would have such uh, a, a, a love, you know, in themselves, they thought, well, maybe this is all an act. Maybe this is something that Joseph is doing uh, because, you know, because he has no other choice. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So they're like reiterating, you know, that they are sorry for what it is that they did, but they remember it, you know, like, like after so long, like there are some sins, um, even though we know that God forgives every sin, that we come to him with like a genuine repentance. And sometimes we abuse this. Sometimes we, we think to ourselves, well, because we know that God is merciful and, and loving, that he's going to forgive us no matter what. So it almost gives us like a license to sometimes compromise and to sin, knowing that all it will take is that afterward, I'm going to ask God to forgive me and then he will forgive me. And even though it's true that God forgives, but there is something that remains of sin. Like when we sin, there is something that doesn't get removed, that doesn't get just easily wiped away. And that is the remembrance of the sin, the remembrance. You know, here, even though it had now been many, many years, you know, I, I wanna say now it's been, it's been like around 15 years uh, at least since the time when uh, the brothers came to Egypt um, to the time uh, till now. So we're not talking about something that just happened like you know, a month ago or a year ago. We're talking about something that happened very, very long time ago. And the fact that even now, after this, they're still holding within themselves this fear, this anxiety, this this guilt, this idea that, you know, they, they wronged Joseph and maybe Joseph is going to, you know, get back at us at some point, right? You can almost sense this fear in them that they've had this fear all along. What will, what will happen when Jacob dies? What will happen to us, you know? So even though Joseph forgave them, um, it doesn't take away, you know, that kind of uh, re remembrance that we remember the sins that we commit and the negative consequences that those sins have on us can be very long lasting. So that idea that, you know, because God forgives, then it gives us a license to sin. Um, there are other consequences to sin, even, even though God forgives, but there is long lasting consequences. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I, for am I in the place of God? Right? So 
they're they're like falling down before him they're bound before him they're being humble they're apologizing again they're you know like showing mercy the 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 response of joseph is very telling of who he is right and tells us so much and it's such a beautiful answer when he says do not be afraid for am i in the place of god right he's saying am i the judge right just because i was the victim just because I was the victim of and the object of your sin, that you committed sin against me, your real sin is against God, not against me, right? Saying, I have no right to pass judgment on you, right? I am not in the place of God to pass judgment. It is God's judgment, how God will see. You know, if God judges you to have been to sincerely repent of your sin, then God saves, you know? If God judges that you are insincere, if God judges that you are a hypocrite, if God judges that you are, are lying or deceiving or whatever, again, that is for God to judge. It is not the place of Joseph to judge, and he acknowledges that in himself, right? Many people believe that because we have been hurt by another, that that makes us their judge. That means that I am the one who should decide what is their outcome. What is it that happens to, get to them? How they would be disciplined or how they would be punished, right? But here Joseph makes it clear that that's not the case. Right. Even though he was indeed a victim, he, he was indeed like hurt by them. But he did not say, well, because that that means that I deserve to be the one to have any say at all into what happens to you. Right. He made it very clear that he did not. Um, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, we read uh, God is speaking. He says, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. He's speaking about the enemies of Israel. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. Right? God is saying that what he is the one, he is the one who takes vengeance. He is the one who 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 chooses the outcome for each person, for, for the judgment of each person. It is not for us to do so. Um, also in Romans 12, 19, it says what? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Right? God is the one who sees. God is the one who brings justice, not we ourselves. And Joseph here understood that very clearly, made it very clear to them that he is not holding them accountable, he is not making them feel guilty, he is not remembering the wrongs that they did to him, he is not reserving any right to punish them in any way. But as for you, and this is like one of the most famous verses related to Joseph. It says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive, right? As we mentioned before in chapter 45, that, that God used the, the wicked actions and the wicked plans of a group of people, and he turned it into good, right? And Joseph, one of the things that helped him to cope with um, all that happened to him was because he always kept that in mind, that that everything he suffered was not for nothing. Everything he suffered was for a goal and a purpose, and God blessed it so that it would become something good. He used it for something good. It doesn't mean that God approves of what the brothers did or that he wanted them to do that, but he took the wrong actions of a group of people and he transformed it into something good, not only for Joseph, and not only for all the people, but for the brothers themselves. Like he used their own wicked actions to end up blessing them and to saving their lives. His forgiveness was genuine, and it wasn't just for the sake of his father. Now, therefore, do not be afraid 
I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them, right? <laughs> not only am I not going to punish you, but I'm giving you everything. I'm providing for you. All the land of Egypt is for you. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. Ephraim is his son. Uh, the children of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. So uh, Joseph is now getting old. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Right, so like all of his fathers before him, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all received the promise. They all received the covenant from God, the promise that God would provide for them, give them the land of Canaan to be their land, and they would be a mighty nation, uh, very numerous, right? And like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph also, he died without ever realizing this, 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 uh, this covenant without having seen the outcome of it, without having seen. I remember at, at this point, the, the people of Israel are still very small. But we know that when they leave Egypt, 400 years after this, when they leave Egypt, there are going to be millions of people, right? So Joseph still hadn't seen it, but as he is dying, he is reminding the people, remember that God promised this to us. So one thing we see about all of these men of faith is that they didn't doubt because the promise of God did not happen in their lifetime. You know, like sometimes even for very short term things, we begin to doubt. Like, you know, we ask God, God, I'm looking for a job. Please help me to find a good job. And months pass and maybe years pass and it still hasn't happened. And we've tried everything we can think to try and it still hasn't happened. And we begin to lose faith and you say, well, God isn't going to help me. And God is this and God is that. But imagine like these people who waited for generations, right? And they still hadn't seen the realization of the covenant that God had made. But the outcome of it was still that they had faith and they believed. They believed that it hadn't happened yet, but it was still going to happen. And this was all part of God's plan. Why does God choose to wait? We don't know. Each situation is different. We don't know why God chooses to wait. But here we know that he was waiting for the people to grow in number and then he would lead them out. And, and, and Joseph was so sure of this. He was so sure. He said, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph didn't know when and didn't know how that was going to happen, but he knew that it would happen, right? So this was like a, the spirit of prophecy speaking in Joseph, telling the people, giving them comfort that even though he is dying, Joseph is dying, but that God is still alive. God is still present with them and he has not abandoned them or left them alone. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So finally at the end, he made the people as he is now dying to promise also that just as they buried Jacob in the land of promise in Canaan, that also that when they go up out of Egypt, they would bring Joseph uh, with them, his bones with them as well. And we know this actually happened when Moses led the people out of Egypt hundreds of years from now, they brought the bones of Joseph um, with them. So this is the end of Genesis. Any questions or comments about Genesis? Hmm? 
It was long, yeah. 50 chapters. Okay. The Lord be to God for every minute. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, o Lord, for this day. We ask, O God, for your blessing. We ask, O God, to help us to see you as a source of comfort in our lives, that despite all of the challenges that we experience, despite the problems, despite the things, O Lord, that are beyond our control, and even those things, O Lord, that we brought about by our own poor choices, we ask, O God, that you relieve us and you grant us comfort and you give us a pathway and a way forward. Teach us, O Lord, how to continue to trust in you, how to not fall into despair or sorrow, but to see you, O Lord, always ever before us as a source of comfort, walking with us day by day. Grant us, O Lord, your peace and grant us, O God, a purpose and an identity and a, and a reason for life. To continue, O Lord, according to your will, to let everything be done according to your will and according to your time. Teach us, O oh God, how to be loving to one another, to be forgiving, to be kind, to be merciful. Teach us, O oh God, how to not hate one another or to backbite or to mock or insult. Teach us, O oh Lord, how to be a light that shines in the darkness so that those, O oh Lord, on the outside may see and turn to you for salvation. For the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.